This is 15 Minutes of Freedom. I'm your host, Ryan Idell, and today's special guest on the show, Paul Joseph from Chicago, Illinois, the project manager of Digital Ventures Group. I'm going to just call it, you're the crypto guy. You're the crypto specialist now, among many things. <laughs> crypto specialist works. Yeah, I love it. So, Paul, before we dive into all the things that are crypto, because admittedly, I'm a little bit of a neophyte with this. Yeah. You've had a lot of business ups, downs, lefts, and rights. You're an entrepreneur by trade, I feel like, at this point, with some of the things you've done in your life. For sure. What's one lesson that every entrepreneur needs to learn that you could share right now? That you're going to fail. Yeah. hundred percent. Nine out of 10, you're going to fail. I've done it all. I've had a bar. I've had a car wash. I've had online companies, clothing company. It's not, it's not easy, you know, and you can't be scared. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. You know, Paul, what's your favorite bin? Not the most profitable. What's the one you enjoyed the most? I honestly, I do like the Bitcoin, the cryptocurrency world, the ATMs. It's a really different thing that a lot of people aren't into, you know. Um, my favorite, probably the cryptocurrency. It's not overly stressful. Um, it's man, you can manage it anywhere, really. Once you get machines up and rolling, you can manage it from your bedroom in Florida or, you know, North Pole if you have to. Um, so probably, I really enjoyed the supplement industry when it, I was in it. It was a lot of fun. We did a lot of traveling, a lot of those expos, the Arnold, the Olympia, met a lot of cool people, a lot of fitness people, like Arnold, all that. But for that aspect, for meeting people, that was awesome. You know, crypto is a little different. You really meet that many people. Right. So I'm curious about the crypto. So I, I've seen socially, right? We're connected on Facebook. This is our first time. Yeah spending real time. We've, we've bounced back and forth and tried a couple of times, but here we are face to face, if you will. And I started seeing you posting. It looks like an ATM, except it's for crypto, right? I'm like, what, Correct. what the hell is this? And how does it work? <laughs> so it is, it's an ATM made by a real ATM company. It's a little bit different. It's about five feet high. They weigh like 400 pounds. Um, and you can sell and buy and sell on some of the machines. Now it depends on what company, we only, you can only buy crypto from us. We don't, we don't buy your crypto. In other words, there's two way machines where you can actually go and cash out your Bitcoin, Litecoin, Ethereum, um, and the machine, and it takes a percentage and it gives you cash. We don't have that. A lot of banks won't bank you to have a two way machine. It's too much compliance. It's a lot of compliance with, with this stuff. Mm -hmm. So basically anybody um, can go to an ATM, one of ours, competitors, whatever, the phone number, and then they can buy a dollar amount from $20, which our machines are $20 minimum, up to $9,500 a day um, in crypto. Right now, we only sell Bitcoin, but we're going to implement Litecoin in the next two weeks. So then they can buy Litecoin, which is another form of cryptocurrency that's pretty popular. And then some machines sell Ethereum and Bitcoin Cash. I don't know if you, it's a whole other crypto, you know, some people know what it is, some don't. Um, but there's limits on everything also, right? So like... Under two hundred fifty dollars, it's just text. It's a text message, right? Anything over that to three thousand, they scan your ID. The machine does. Over three thousand, it runs your social security number. It's just an OFAC thing, which is the you know terrorist drug dealer list. It's just a compliance thing. Every ATM operators have to do it, or guess what? We get in trouble. So and it's very simple. It's it's all cash, cash only. So you can go in there, put your AT, your number in, deposit cash. 
And then there's, I don't know, are you familiar at all with like the Bitcoin wallets online? Yeah, like, absolutely. It's almost like a bank account wallet, right? Yep. There's a QR code. You can scan it right on our ATM and it puts the coins right into your wallet. That's fascinating. So, right. Admittedly, as, as we were going down this path, I started thinking all the nefarious gray stuff that exists in the world, right? I, I started thinking like that, that to me, I, from coming from the digital marketing space, I knew of Bitcoin years and years and years ago, and it was all used for black market transactions when it first came out, in my opinion, like the, that was the way that I viewed it. That's what, that's why it has a bad name. Yeah. Everybody associates Bitcoin with a dark web. Oh, a Bitcoin machine. Oh, but what do you buy the Bitcoin? You know, guess what? They're buying stuff on the dark web or they're, you know, buying drugs. It's, that's what the bad name it's got about it because of, you know, Silk Road, which I'm sure you heard of that, that whole case. But the problem is the, the, the thing about these ATMs is in just the U S there's 55 million people that don't have bank accounts. That's just the U S 55 wow. unbanked Americans. So these machines are a lot of people use them that are unbanked. That's, you know, if they don't have a bank account, well, they have cash. There's a lot of people that are paid cash. And, you know, you know, they are, they use these machines to put money in, transfer money. Um, there's a, I think it's about 1.6 or 7 billion people in the world that don't have bank accounts. That's so there's enough. a lot of benefits. It's crazy. And you know, I don't know if you remember about four years ago when Greece went through their financial crisis, right? Their banks wouldn't let them pull money out. $200 a day, right? Yeah. Is what they could pull out. So they put two-way Bitcoin ATMs over there where you could cash out and they're $1,000 a day you could take out. So people in the U.S. are putting money in out here and then they give them the transaction code and these people can pull out cash in the Greece. So it was a great benefit out there. So Paul, were you active in trading coin prior to starting in the, with the ATM company? I did. So I got into this through a buddy of mine in 2014. He's like, hey, you got I got a great way to make some money. Local Bitcoins. It was like an online website. You could open a trade and sell Bitcoin um, for cash, credit, deposit, your bank account. Whole difference. It's still up that company. Um, I didn't even know what a Bitcoin was. I said, what? He tried to explain it to me. I said, you're out of your mind. I don't know what this is, you know? So long story short, he meets a guy in Chicago who's got a Bitcoin ATM machine. He meets him at the, because we were buying Bitcoin from the machine so we could sell it on this, on this. And the guy's like, yeah, you know, I own these Bitcoin machines. Um, and this was one of the first Bitcoin ATM operators in the U.S. Um, so we talked to him and he's like, yeah, you know, you guys, I'll sell you guys Bitcoin at a lower rate. Because these machines take anywhere from eight. I mean, there's some that charge 20% rates. Depends where they're at. There's some in Miami that, not mine, but that are charging 22%, which is outrageous. But they, some people don't have any choice, you know? Right. Yep. So he started selling to us and then he offered us, hey, if you guys want to play some machines for me, we'll, uh, you know, we'll give you a little cut. I'm like, all right, great. Let's do it, you know? So we had a buddy that had a, a liquor store downtown, Chicago Southside. And then my old business partner was like, hey, why don't we just buy one of these machines and do it ourselves? I was like, all right, cool, right? We had no idea what we were doing, Ryan. Not a clue. We didn't even know we had to have a compliance policy or AML, KYC, compliance. We, didn't, we thought, oh, make a couple grand extra a month, you know? So we buy one. This is before it was really, now you can't even buy a machine without your compliance. Uh, and then we learned our lesson. We had to buy, you know, get compliance done, which is like big money, you know? Um, Any money laundering, know your customer, all that stuff. And uh, so we just started buying machines. Um, we bought like five the first year. And back then you got to remember there was only 
1200 machines in the US. You okay. Know? So it's a big difference now. Um, and there's 4,200 Bitcoin ATMs in the US now. And so how long did, what, what year did you buy your first one? 2014. So you've been at this, the ATM game for five years. But I sold to my partner. I sold out in 2016, right before Bitcoin went, you know, crazy, the 20,000 range. Yep. I sold out. Bitcoin was at $1,200, right? I sold them. We had 13 machines. It was just a bad partnership. One of my friends, but didn't work out as business wise. Right. Yep. So I, I kind of take a, I slap myself now because then Bitcoin exploded. Now he's got, he's one of the top three biggest ATM operators in the country. He's got 200 machines. He's cranking. Um, yeah. But so it's just a crazy, there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of other companies. I think there's maybe 40 operators in the U S um, and there's a couple big, big ones, you know, maybe five or six that have two or 300 machines. Uh, and they, they rule the, the crypto world in the U.S. But there's 4,300 Bitcoin ATMs in the U.S. and 6,000 in the world. So if you look at it, how many people are in the world, there's not a lot of machines, you know. Right. Um, Chicago alone has, I think, 240. So they're, they're building up here fast. Yeah, and Paul, so was it about this time last year? Is that when Bitcoin reached its peak of, what, that 18,000, 20,000? Didn't it get? No, that, that was two years ago. Okay. It's crazy. It hit 20,000. It was at 20,000. And then it slowly fell. And that's when people were going crazy. That's when the whole hype was going. Everybody's trying, people were refinancing their houses, which was the worst thing you could do. Cause then it dropped down to, it was down to 3000, like eight months ago, it was 3000, but now yeah. we're back in the sevens, you know? So it's all over the place. It's just like the stock market. Every, every minute it's up and down, up and down, you know? So Paul, are you guys, are you, with the ATMs, are you mining your own coins as well to funnel into the front side or is it all just? No, we, we buy from an exchange. So we buy at a certain rate over and then we sell at a certain rate over. We don't mine anything. Now there's, for mining Bitcoin, there's, you have to be in a whole different country. There, you can't, the power that you take, there's not enough money. You're not making any money, you know? Right. Yeah, that was, that was interesting. Now that you're, you're saying the timeline, there were a bunch of people that I was connected with back then that all were trying to get me to set up a mining operation. At really right at that same time, right? How do you, Ohio at that yeah. point had low energy expense. And by the time you figure out the, the CPU power that was required, it was like fractionalization of what actual money you could make. It wasn't worth, every, the people I was, were connected to or was connected to, they were all in the hype train, right? They were all, you got to do this, you got to do this, yeah. you got to do this. Ohio has, and I'm, I, you know, extrapolated out the For expense sure. to run the machines. I'm like, this is, this is pointless. Like you're, Huge well, you can free, there's some people that have electricity included in their apartments. And I know a couple of guys that were mining, like we have free electricity. They had a whole, their whole living room was, was mining computers, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but now it's different. It's, it's not, the money's not there like it was before. There's people making some crazy money back then. Now you got to remember in New Zealand, there's like the biggest mining, it's in a cave and it's just an insane operation. And, you know, um, cause their, their energy out there, it's, it's not expensive to, to power at all. Right. That's interesting. So, and Paul, you, so diving more into this model, I want to, will you peel back the layers of Bitcoin and crypto, right? I'm going to, I'm going to assume that someone listening, Bitcoin's polarizing as it sits, right? My financial advisor guys, the guys that listen there in the, in the financial space will bastardize crypto to no end. For me for personally, sure. 
I'm looking at like the US dollar has no gold standard behind it. It's all fake printed money anyways. So even if crypto doesn't isn't quote unquote back, there's at least a finite number of coins that will be available. And that's really where my my very neophyte type of understanding stops right there. So I'd love to know yeah. your take on how it all, all the pieces go together. So nobody knows what drives Bitcoin price either. There's right. no, I mean, they assume it, right? So yep. there's people follow all the charts now and they look at the past 10 years. It's been around 10 years now. They look at the past 10 years and they see, okay, well, December of last year, it was this. So right now everybody's saying 2020 is going to be a crazy year for Bitcoin, all cryptocurrencies, because Bitcoin's supposed to half in May. And then it's just saying it's going to go wild. But you have people that are saying, I think Bitcoin's going to be 100,000 in 2020. And you got experts that are saying Bitcoin's going to be at $10. So nobody knows. Bitcoin's confusing because we don't know what controls it. You know, at least the stock market they can kind of tell what's going on and why it's dumping and nobody knows Bitcoin. I mean, I've read, listen, I 10, 10 different articles a day that came out the same day. They're all say a different thing of what is going to happen and why yesterday Bitcoin was 7,000 in the morning was 7,800 by the afternoon and dropped back to 7,000 last night. Nobody knows why, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, uh, it's confusing. Confuses me. People are like, what do you think is going to happen? Paul, I said, I don't know. Should I buy like $300,000 worth? I go, I don't know. I mean, I can't tell you, you know what? If I tell you, no, I had a good friend who was my old partner for the supplement stuff. He's like, this Bitcoin is at 3000. He's like, Hey, should I buy some Bitcoin? I'm like, man, I think it's going to go down more. Two weeks later, it was 13,500. This was just happened like four or five months ago and it went crazy high for a little bit. Yep. He's like, man, thanks, man. I'm like, well, what if it went into a hundred dollars a coin? Are you going to be mad at me? Cause you lost all that money, you know? So I can't give anybody advice of how, what, what is back going to happen with Bitcoin. All I can say is that I don't think it'll ever, ever go away. Um, it might be a hundred dollars a coin. Brian, when I got into Bitcoin in 2014, it was $122 a Bitcoin, a whole Bitcoin. Okay. That's what I was buying for. And you were, you were buying, do you currently hold any coin yourself? Company holds coin. I don't hold any personally. I have like a hundred dollars worth in my wallet. Yep. But back then I had a lot. Because we were buying, I mean, if we would have just stuck on what we had, we were buying 30 coins a day to front our machines, you know, at $150. (laughs) And I don't want to talk about it, but (laughs) (laughs) But you never know. Listen, it's the thing that when I, when it was reached a thousand dollars, we were like, holy cow, it's a thousand dollars, you know? And the thing with the machines, Ryan, is the people that use them, they don't care if Bitcoin's 10,000 or 200 because they're buying they never, you don't have to buy a whole Bitcoin. You can buy any dollar amount at the machine. You can buy any part of the bit. You can buy a little $10 worth, $20, $30. And they're going to use it. You know, they're not banked. So to them, it doesn't matter. You know, you got to remember a lot of these people that were using them that probably are rich now that were broke and using that as a bank system, putting money in every week, didn't even think about it. They're buying, you know, $400, $500 a month, three or four Bitcoin a month and holding onto it. And all of a sudden it's 20,000. You just made it. It's a legit thing. People got rich that were didn't even know what to do, you know? Right. So it's a crazy, crazy world. It's it certainly seems so, especially when there's like you said, there's no right the pieces and parts that I know are that you mine Bitcoin from spare CPU space essentially, empty CPU space, 
there's going to be a finite amount that is all in circulation by what 2022 2020 yeah something like that that's why it's going to have no they're working on technology now with the blockchain because the blockchain is what it all gets transferred through and the blockchain is great technology but it's slow so it's congested some some you could get your bitcoin tomorrow at my atm it could take 30 seconds to hit your wallet or it could take four hours it just depends how many people transactions are gone you know when bitcoin was was cranking and it was 18,000, it was trading like crazy, all that overflow. Sometimes it took two days to get your coins to your wallet. I mean, that's a long time for an instant thing that's usually instant, you know? Right. Um, so they're working on that. And and there's, you know, there's so, I mean, you could go and Google and read up on tons of people that are working the, the technology back end of Bitcoin. They are, you know? Um, I don't, it'll never go away. It's going to be regulated. 100%. The IRS already regulates it. I mean, you've heard of Coin, Coinbase yeah. and all those online. Every exchange now is photo ID, social security number. They want to know everything. You know, Same with us. You're, you're, you can buy $250 worth without your ID, but our machines take a picture of you. Every transaction, I mean, it's, we have to. It's compliance, you know? So right. I think it's a good thing that it's regulated because it's almost then it's it's a real thing, you know. It's, so Make, makes sense to me. Paul, I want to. I'm curious about other pieces and parts that make Paul Paul. Right, because <laughs> as you can't see Paul as you're listening to this right now, but Paul certainly has a a muscular stature to him. And Paul, if I recall not that long ago, or maybe it's been a long time ago, you went vegetarian or vegan, right? I tried it. So I have high blood pressure, Ryan. Okay. Is that from, is anabolic use or is that from just life in general? You can blame it on whatever you want. I'm going to say it was from stress, anabolic use, not eating healthy. Yeah. I was that guy that could eat whatever I wanted and I just was lean, you know, and then anabolic use. I mean, we all, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to, I had everybody knows, you know. Yeah, I was all almost did it. My friends did it, you know. Uh, I had really high blood pressure. I was going through a divorce. Just my life was just a mess at the time. I was eating cheeseburgers every meal, you know. I was, and I ended up, my blood pressure was like 260 over 100 and some watt. Yeah, I ended up in the hospital with Jesus kidney damage. Ball. Yeah, so I had stage three kidney disease. What they, so doctors, they can't blame it on anything. Just, they blame it on high blood pressure, right? Okay. So, I mean, I was big back then, right? I was 260. I'm 230 now. I, th I lost 30 pounds. I dropped it. How tall you are know? you? I'm 6'2". Okay. But I, I, I'm fine. 225, 230 is a good weight for me. I don't want to be – I'm not, you know, into that whole meathead world anymore like I was. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's that was uh, – so I got kidney issues. So I went to the doctor and I said, you know, listen, should I try eating this way or that way? And he's, oh, the, the vegan diet, I'm not telling you that's – the best, but that's a good diet to try for your kidneys, right? So I'm like, all right, I'll try it. I tried uh, uh, it. Listen, it's great. You feel good. When I was eating fish, I felt great as long as I had fish in there, right? But when I stopped eating the fish and went straight, like vegan, vegan for about four weeks, it was tough. Not gonna lie. And you got to remember, all these impossible burgers and these fake burgers have three times the amount of sodium than a regular burger. And it has just as much saturated. So it's not even healthy. All those fake burgers are, are bad for you. You know, you got a regular burger, I think, is 800 milligrams of sodium at Burger King, right? Their Impossible Burger was 1,400 milligrams. Mm -hmm. 
same amount of saturated fat, but that's why they taste like a burger. And, you know, uh, it was tough, man. Let me tell you, I, uh, not that I'm eating meat every day now, but if I want to have a burger or a steak, I'm going to have one. I do keep my protein. I got to keep my protein low because of my kidneys. So I don't even supplement protein anymore. It's basically fish and, you know, I'm not, I hate chicken now. I can't stand it. Yeah. You know, I've eaten so much chicken back in the day. It's like, ugh. um, yeah, I think health wise, it's probably good for you to go vegan, but I think if you add all the extra fiber and vegetables like a vegan and then kind of eat fish and meat with it, it's awesome. Right. Yeah. Um, the problem is now that I quit the whole plant-based thing that I was doing, my vegetables and all that have just, it's not like it was, you know, I was eating tons of, um, chickpeas and, you know, there's a ton of fiber and protein in that and peppers. And I was making these vegetarian tacos and it's just, it was hard, you know? And my girlfriend, she, she went vegan and she's still doing it. She eats fish. So she's technically what pescatarian or what do you want to call it? Um, so I always like, like, Oh, I'm making meatballs. I don't eat meat. All right, whatever. <laughs> So how long ago were you, where did the kidney issue present itself and what, how did you know there was something wrong? It was, um, about three years ago. I didn't know. I had no idea. I got shingles. So I thought, yeah, I got a pain in my neck. Yeah. And, uh, I woke up on a Saturday. My kid was with me. I thought I had a stroke. My arm was numb. My nose was bleeding. My blood pressure was high. Called the ambulance. They came. I had a little rash right here and they're like, you got shingles. I'm like, shingles. No way. And by the time I had the hospital, it was like on my face. And uh, yeah, they put me, took my blood and they're like, holy, your, your creatinine level's 4.6, which is, you know, crazy high. Yep. And uh, your blood, my blood, they couldn't get it down. So I sat in a uh, isolation room for a week, you know, with the shingles and they were trying to figure out my kidneys and all that. Um, but now, you know, I got, everything's in check. My creatinine's still high, but I'm, I'm muscular. So it kind of throws off the whole you know, creatinine level with your kidney, you know, function. I, I hang around like 2.8, which is still high, but I don't have any of the side effects. You know, I, I am tired. I get more tired now because, you know, with the medicaid, I'm on blood pressure medication and, you know, and I'm always tired, man. Listen, so I can tell you, I sleep eight hours. I'm still tired, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, so, but I'm good. I'm, I'm good now. I just watch it and I watch my blood pressure and uh, I'm one of those guys that worries, Ryan. So I think it makes my blood pressure always higher. Of course. You know? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so, Paul, with the, I'll say, you know, you and I being in the bodybuilding space, like I'm an open book. I, I shared on this show, I've shared, you know, I, from 19 until 32, 33. That's me right there. Same exact age. There was not a time I didn't have some sort of anabolic in my system, right? It was just, yeah. if, if the syringe wasn't full, I wasn't doing enough. It like it it just didn't matter. That was that was where I was at. And I was pushing in my mind. I had to be a professional bodybuilder, and yeah. I stopped cold turkey uh, two years ago, about this time, with yeah. just nothing, and just watched. I'm smart enough to realize what it was going to do to my body, but I was just so tired of that rat race that I went the other way. And it, it's taken a long time to get my hormones to re-regulate. Yeah. Meaning, right, I'm prescribed HRT, but I try not to take it because I want to prove to myself I can do it without it. But then sexual yeah. function goes to shit. Like, it's this, it's this vicious cycle now that I don't really know how to get off of. And I'm wondering if you've experienced comparable or if your life has come back to good balance or what you're what – you're... So I, I was I, – I had to come off everything. I, I, that was, you know, I was in the hospital. They're like, your kidneys are – you're going to have – they told me, like, you're going to have to get dialysis. I was 32, you yeah. know, dialysis. 
And I don't know if you remember Derek Anthony. Do you remember the bodybuilder Derek Anthony? He passed away yep. at 32. And I was good friends with him. I used to talk to him all the time. And then he just passed away out of nowhere in his sleep. Like he, and he you know, he had, then he had cancer and he beat that. And then all of a sudden, boom, kidney failure. And I kept thinking, man, what an idiot. You know, he knew he was on dialysis. He was still taking testosterone and everything else. And then he dies, right? So here's me. I come off. I was off for about a year, completely nothing. And I lost, I lost about 40 pounds, like boom, you know? Yeah. Um, but I felt horrible, man. And mentally everything, dude, I had no sex drive, no drive to work out, nothing. So I went to the doctor, got my test, test levels done. I was 132 after a year, about a year. And that's bad. That's bad. So this is my regular doctor. Who's a real hospital doctor knows everything I'm going through. I said, he's like, no way. There's no way, Paul, that your testosterone's low, right? So he runs it, and then he calls me. He goes, well, you're right. So he goes, we can give you creams, or we can do, like, testosterone shot, whatever you want to do. I'm like, well, I'll do the shot. It's fine. I don't want the cream, you know? So I am on TRT. Yeah. But from a real doctor, um, you know, I feel great now. But uh, you'll never get that, 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 you know how it is. It's hard to explain that feeling when you're on – and I never took a lot of stuff, Ryan. I never went like a thousand of this, a thousand of that. I was always 500 to test, 500 EQ, some of this, some of that, you know? Yeah. And um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's hard to get back still. Like I work out and I'm like, oh man, I see pictures of me like from five, six, seven years ago. I'm like, God, I was big, you know? Uh, hey, to the average person still, I'm a big guy, right? I guess, you know, I get it all the time. I don't feel big. Um, Oh, buddy, I, I, I get it, right? I'm, I'm not, not battling with it now, but my sexual function right now is at the lowest it's ever been. I find my wife to be beautiful and attractive and we have a great relationship, but like, I'm going to have to go the HRT route just to you get things. Because I, I used to be, so Paul, I was, in my heaviest, I was 305 at 6'2". I would compete at 265, right? And, and now I walk around, I'm pretty much stuck at 265. Right. Some days I don't eat it. Like I'll fast for three days and I'll drop down to two fifty-five, but I'm two hundred and sixty-five yeah. pounds. Just and like you said, there's there's no working out's great, but man, it's but I was the opposite of you, right? I was the three, four grams of gear a week type of guy. Like just <laughs> just load me up. It didn't matter. Yeah. Which is pointless, but it's always interesting to talk to a fellow intelligent but retired meathead, right? Like well, here, listen, if I could have consume protein like a normal person, I'm only allowed to have 60 grams of protein a day for my kidneys. That's it. Three chicken breast worse. That's it. So my kidney doctor is top line. He's like, Paul, you're not trying to get bigger, right? I'm like, no. He goes, you'll maintain what you have from back in the day, yeah. what you're at right now. You're not going to lose any more weight, you know? Um, and I don't. Ryan, listen, I'm stuck 230. I mean, I did this, this summer. I did start eating protein like crazy. I was eating ground sirloin three times a day. And then I had a blood work done for my kidneys and my urine, the protein in my urine was out of the world. My doctor's like, holy cow, what, what, what are you doing, Paul? And I'm like, oh, I've been eating a lot of meat, you know, a lot of protein. So he's like, yeah, stop that. Cause it just, all it's doing is causing more damage. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I'm at that age now, I, you know, I, I want to live, I got a kid, you know, I want to live, you know, maybe until I'm 70, you know, I don't want to have to get a kidney transplant and I don't want to have to go on dialysis. So it's not worth it. But if I could consume protein, I could probably get the 250 again, you know, on TRT. Yeah. On TRT. I mean, I think it's – there's so many TRT clinics now everywhere. It's like the new thing, you know. 
they're popping up everywhere. I, and I have nothing wrong with it. I think if it's regulated by the doctor like that, I mean, I'll tell you, 200 milligrams a week of testosterone sipinate can do wonders for anybody if you, know, if you eat right and diet right and work out. I mean, I don't, I don't even work out like I used to, you know? Yeah. Well, that's a ridiculous thing. I, I know, as I'm saying it out loud, had I not taken anabolics for 15 years and I was just 35 going to 36, I would go get an HRT prescription from my doc, right? Do it all the right way and wouldn't think anything yeah. of it. But because I want to prove to myself that I can get my levels back, which is completely illogical, right? I realize even as I'm saying it out loud, it sounds so fucking stupid. Well, but it's just, it's stuck. Your body shuts down and that's it. <laughs> yes. I mean, my, uh, what used to be, at one point where walnuts look more like grapes now, right? That there's, my body's just not doing what it could do. I hear you. You got to explain it to me. Um, <laughs> and, and I, listen, people are always like, oh, you're on steroids. Well, testosterone technically is not a steroid. It's not. It's an anabolic agent, but your body makes testosterone. Mm-hmm. Anything else you can, you can take anabolic. That's now you're on, you're, you're, you're taking steroids. But, you know, I think TRT clinics are the next people to get in trouble because now they're prescribing peptides and anavar and crazy stuff that isn't TRT. And they're getting away with it because the FDA is not a big, they're not big enough to go. There's so many clinics now. And there's, I can name you 10 clinics in my neighbor, in the neighborhood around here in Chicago. And yeah. there's one by me that's just lines out the door all day long. And I look at the guys and I'm like, yeah, you're not on 200 milligrams to test a week. You know, I'll come out. but you know, who am I to say anything? <laughs> yeah. I get it. So Paul, the, the other part of your life that I know about is or rental properties. Yeah, we do uh, Airbnbs. Yeah. How, how's that journey so, been? Is Airbnbs become more regulated in many cities, right? From- so Chicago's regulated hard. Um, <laughs> we, I don't own the ones in Chicago. I did my house in Bloomingdale, and I did it because I was going to rent it out long term, and I had a renter fall through. I'm like, yeah, I'll try Airbnb, and it just crushed it, Ryan. Like four times what you would normally get on a long-term rental wow. in a year. Okay. Crazy. Um, and it really has to do with the area it's in and it's close enough to the city, but far enough people don't want to go to the city. But my uh, good friend opened a, a bar in the city and he had six units above it. So he's like, Hey, let's want to do Airbnbs here. So he's like, I know, you know, you can manage them all. I'm like, perfect. My girlfriend cleans them all. I manage them. Um, and they're all Chicago themed. They're really cool. Ryan, we got a Cubs one, a Wicker Park one, a hippie one. And then a subway, two subway ones. I know I'm missing a music one. And they're all decked out different Chicago themes. They're really cool. So um, now in the city of Chicago, you got to get licensed. You can only have one Airbnb in a building of six. But we have six and three. And they're actually three different addresses. We're all in the same building. Okay. So we had to go around and get signatures and all the stuff to get it approved. But they're approved now. Um, it was a journey for that, too. Um, and they are regulated. There's a lot of cities that are banning them completely. Like 30, you got to have 30 plus days rentals, which is killing a lot of people because like Hawaii did it. Hawaii was huge with Airbnbs. People are buying these million dollar houses and Airbnb making a killing and they put a ban on it all 30 days plus. So just Hawaii, I think has more houses for sale right now than it's ever had for sale. Cause all these people that were a lot of big companies, corporations go and buy one, two, three, four or five houses. And then they just have a property manager, manage them all and rent them out. And they're making a ton of money. So it's, um, it's an interesting, uh, it's a great, it's, a, well, I think what's Airbnb worth $60 billion now, something like that. 
30 or 60 owning anything. People. They own nothing. They don't own anything. It's just like, oops, it's, a, it's another version of Uber, you know? Um, and those guys started in their apartment in California and they had a blow-up mattress. That's how they started. So it's, uh, it's supposed to go public this year, I think. Um, there's a lot. Listen, there's, I'm not going to say it's all uh, sunshine. You got your problems. You got people. The problem in Chicago is people are trying to throw parties nonstop. You got like gang, they're almost, I'd say they're gangbangers. No joke. Because I find the flyers, it's not just Chicago, but Chicago's got a lot of party issues where they try and rent your unit and then they'll have, they lie, you know, hey, we're having a, a girl's night and then there's 60 people showing up and they're charging at the door. And and that's what Chicago, that's what Chicago doesn't like. Because, you know, there's shootings. Now you see all these Airbnbs are having shootings at and all that. So I'm pretty pretty good and then my girlfriend she'll like google their try try and find them on facebook because a lot of times they they're not very smart and they post a public flyer like oh you know if you saw the flyers around you'd be like come on right it's yeah it's ridiculous what they put on these flyers you know um so but it, it's a it's a great business model i'm hoping you know this is our first year last year first summer uh, downtown so now we're building up now we've got a lot of reviews I'm hoping we just crush it this summer. You know, we're going to start doing some press releases um, for the uh, one downtown and um, which I don't know. Do you ever do press releases for any of your stuff? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a great, I just did my first one for the Bitcoin company and it's, it's gotten a lot of attention. People call and they want to interview you. It's gets a lot. It's, it's great for SEO. Everybody, you know, that doesn't, any, doesn't know about the SEO. I'm a big SEO guy. That's, I know SEO is huge when it comes to, um, especially e-commerce business, which I know, you know, yep. like, you, I know you talk all that crap about funnels. Cause I think funnels are all bullshit too. It's all, it's a fucking scam, you know, yes. biggest scam ever funnel this. I get these stupid ads on Facebook about funnels. I'm like, just shut the fuck up, you know? Yeah. But I still, I got a great SEO guy who's fair. And, uh, I think the e-commerce stuff with SEO, anything you do a press release, it's, it's just lots more content creation and links and people visiting your site, you know? Well, yeah, so, you can you can syndicate so much of that and get it picked up if it's written the right way by CNN, CNBC, CBS, and so yeah. now you're advertising. You can literally say, I mean, ethically, as seen on, insert the the variable of the company that has the social proof. Exactly. Uh, and my buddy, uh, I don't know if you ever heard of knocker ball. You ever heard of knocker ball? I haven't. Big soccer balls, the plastic people bounce around against okay. each other. Yeah. My buddy Joey owned the whole company. He just, uh, I think, recently sold it. But he, he was big on SEO and press releases, and, um, I mean, it makes a huge difference. And he's a sales guru. That guy's – my buddy Joey's like a, a male chimp uh, SEO. He's a guru. I mean, he's good at that kind of stuff, really good. See, pulling Facebook ads and also, I'm like, oh, man, I don't know how you do all this stuff. Um, but I tell everybody, like, Facebook ads are great. Google is great. But, man, SEO – is the best you can do. It made one of my online companies go from a hundred thousand a month to 300,000 back in the day. And it's, I was ranked, you know, you get a good company to do it for you the right way. It makes a world of difference. Well, yeah. And what happens is Paul, I mean, at least in my opinion, you have the Russell Brunson of the world that you're one funnel away and it only takes a, a click of a button and you're going to make a million dollars and SEO requires a strategy and patience and a plan that's more than three weeks. In order Here's to how I look at it. You got Google ads is your short term and SEO is your long term because SEO, it might take a year to do to build up to get you ranked, right? Obviously, it depends how much money you spend and backlinks and all that stuff. But uh, 
I'm an SEO. That's, I think that was what made the difference in my one company. It was insane. I couldn't even tell you how much increased sales by three times after it really kicked in. Absolutely. So Paul, what else? I'm curious, did I miss a, did I miss part of the facade that is Paul? Is there, is there a facet of your life that we didn't touch on yet? I don't think so, man. <laughs> X, X, I never, I'm not about, I don't consider myself an ex bodybuilder. Um, I, I was involved in it. Um, I just never competed. I never would have competed. I didn't have, the, I'm too small. I'm too tall and not enough weight to compete. Like you're same height as me at 305. Highest ever got was 265. I, and I couldn't get higher than that if I tried, you know? Um, no, I'm I don't think so. little, you can't get, you can't get bigger than that. We're taking those little girl doses. You gotta, <laughs> That's it, man. I'm a, I'm, I'm stuck at the girl doses now. I got, I, Hey, listen, and this is what the whole industry is, is messed up because the girls out there now in bikini are taking more than I ever took. Yes. Right. And I had an argument. I had to lead a chick off Facebook. She was an IFBB pro bikini who started arguing with me about one of my vegan posts about girls taking drugs. It's a fact. Girls in that industry take drugs and I'm not talking figure girls. I'm talking bikini. Any bikini girl on the pro level is taking a drug or is on a drug. It's mm -hmm. you can't compete. Same with all the guys. It's a drug sport. That's what it is. hundred percent. And I'm not ripping it. I think it's, listen, I think the whole bodybuilding thing is fascinating to me. I see these guys. I'm just like, it's, it's, you can take all the drugs you want, Ryan, you know, if you don't eat and train, right. And it's all about dieting and all that stuff. You're, you're just not going to be anything, you know? And oh, genetics pay a little bit. I mean, there's these some, you know, either Kai Green and, and those guys, it's all genetics, those guys. I mean, they're just on top of the drugs. Phil Heath, I mean, they're just crazy. Mm -hmm. But that's a whole other thing we could talk about, you know. <laughs> well, yeah, it's interesting to me as, as you look at the supplement industry and how it's unfolded. You go back to when you and I were younger, right, early 20s, when you could make money being a sponsored athlete, get in a, get a magazine, get some pictures taken, and there was actual money to be made now. And then yep. as you and I switch into entrepreneurs or business owners and really anybody that has an Instagram account wants to say they're sponsored so you can kick them some free product or give them a handful of shirts or whatever the thing is. Yeah. And the industry has changed, right? To make, to make a, the number of professional bodybuilders that I know that have to supplement their income with secondary sources of, of revenue generation, whatever we want to call that to be, right? Use yeah. your imagination is higher than the number of people that can earn a living the right way. Oh, for sure. And there's no money in bodybuilding. I see these people like there really isn't. What do you got? A handful. The guys are doing it right. The guys that build their Instagram, like you said, and they're following, and then they start their own company or like Jason Poston, smart guy. Yes. Getting sponsored by, and he's getting paid big money. You know, you got guys like that that are doing it right. Um, but the whole bodybuilding industry is just, it's a whole nother, uh, whole nother world, man. You know, the it's most unhealthy athletic people you'll ever meet. Oh, I, with the unhealthiest I've ever been is the 20 minutes before you step on stage. It's just the, and the, the problem is all these young guys are dying now, you know, and they're, you know, my buddy, I don't know if you know Matt Porter. I was good friends with Matt Porter. Yeah. Man, nicest guy alive. I, and I don't even, they don't even know what made, you know, what he passed away from. He had, and he was super healthy. And you look at that and I'm like, man, I'm going to die because he was just like us back in the day, took a bunch of stuff. His dad got sick and he stopped and he was all about health and 
eating healthy and not taking a lot. He was taking minimal doses, tons of cardio, and he just – it's just – it's crazy. You know, you never know. Playing with fire. And it's sad because he – like you said, he was one of the good ones, right? Open, yeah. honest. Good, Super good, great guy. Good quality products and supplements. I mean, MPA – I'd like, like to see that MPA is still around even in his absence. Well, I think his 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 wife Rachel is uh, helped run it, and then you know his partner Mitch. I think they're doing you know, and it's they had great stuff. Honest, they were honest. They didn't have all wacky products with crazy stuff in it. You know, it was legit. It's not he, he didn't have a big line. It was just good stuff. You know. Yeah. So and he was a great man. He listened. He knew his stuff. Oh, incredible. He knew. I mean, I talked to him. And I was. I didn't. Know, I I didn't know what he's talking about. I'm like, man, I have no idea what you're talking about. And he knew every scientific thing and this and that. I'm like, I have no clue what you're talking about. <laughs> yep. So. So, Paul, I'd love for you to share, right, to start the show, we shared what's one lesson every entrepreneur should get, get out of the way quick. Yeah. And to, to put a bow on this time we get to spend together, what's one thing you think everybody should know just in general in life? Right. What's what's that one parting parting pearl of wisdom that as a listener's listening, they're gonna be like, man, my Paul's a, a brilliant cat. What what's that <laughs> what's that gonna be? Um man, I don't one thing you should learn in life, huh? I mean, here's my thing. I've had I probably own twenty businesses, Ryan. Can't give up. Just keep trying. You know? That's the one one thing I can say is I, I man, I I've been in the dumps, man. I've had more things happen to me in the last five years. Crazy stuff. I just keep trying, you know. If it doesn't work, start something else. If it doesn't work, start something else. It's hard not to give up. That's what I can say. It's hard not to give up. I want to give up. Dude, half time wake up. I'm like, what am I? Do I really want to be in this Bitcoin industry still? It's not like it was. Man, it's, it's tough, you know, and moving machines around and trying to find new spots. And I'm like, ah, oh. but you know what? That's what I can say is uh, just don't give up. You got to keep trying. If one thing doesn't work, try something new. Uh, you can't just be discouraged from it, you know. I love it's a lesson I can get. Right? I mean, that's what it comes down to. I mean, it's hundred percent. I don't see. Hey, listen, it's tough out there. It's a tough world. It's tough to make money. It's not like it. You know, I see some of my friends that make crazy, and I'm like, man, everything you touch turns to gold. Why not me? You know, I just keep trying. Eventually, something will to take. You know. It's exactly or I'll right. start working for I'll start working for Ryan, you know. <laughs> yeah, something, something like that. I, I can't afford you quite yet. I got to keep growing. <laughs> well, Paul, yeah. thank you so much for being on the, Paul, the show, Paul. I appreciate it, and uh, just appreciate the wisdom you shared. No problem. Hopefully, we can follow up in like six months, and I'll tell you, I got a hundred machines out there. That, that'd be great. <laughs>